Welcome to the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore's podcast channel. We're excited to bring you season three of new episodes featuring in-depth content across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. We've had some extraordinary guests on our channel, including Formula One's Claire Williams. I'm a firm believer that any great team, any successful team has a great culture flowing through it. You aren't successful if you don't. So we put a lot of work into this. Renowned mountaineer Kenton Cool. That 2019 there with a client, a big storm came in and literally destroyed Camp 2. And I've got some video footage of Sherpas like trying to hold on to the tent fabric as it blows away. And the Royal Navy's Commodore Steve Morehouse, commander of the UK Carrier Strike Group. The squadron of F-35 aircraft we have on board is the Royal Air Force squadron. And, and the personnel there are drawn from both the Navy and the Air Force. So it's a what better way of, of showing just the efficiency and the joined up nature that we now have. And distinguished Sky News anchor, Jeremy Thompson. We had two little vans with satellite links and we, le- we leapfrogged up the road to Pristina, the capital, uh, throughout that first day with non-stop coverage from basically inside a war zone. We also sit down with the likes of TikTok, Twitch and Twitter and continue to bring you conversations around business and trade, leadership and people, sustainability, sports and arts and much, much more. Thank you, as always, for your support and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of In Conversation with me, David Kelly. Um, This is the series that brings you um, some brilliant high profile and prominent people spanning business and trade uh, through to culture, the arts. And as we run up to the Singapore Grand Prix in a couple of weeks time, um, this year we'll see the Lion City host round six, um, which will also be the first race of the W Series here in Singapore, an all female uh, single seater racing championship, which started in 2019. And my guest today, and I'm really excited about this, is not only a British racing driver in the W Series, but is a qualified racing instructor and driving coach and has starred as a test driver for Amazon's The Grand Tour as well. It really is my pleasure to welcome Abby Eaton. Abby, thanks so, so much for joining us today. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you with us and really excited to, to have you here in Singapore soon as well. It's, um, it's, it's going to be great. Are you looking forward to... Uh, are you looking forward to coming over here and racing on the street circuit for the first time? Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, a real experience. And actually before the calendar, obviously, because it was a last minute edition, and before the calendar was even announced for this year, I was saying to some of the other girls, it would be great if we could race in Singapore in the night race. And um, kind of everything all was lined up in the correct way. And um, yeah, we're racing at, at Singapore in, what's it now? Two two weeks, is it? Something like that? Three weeks? Two weeks. Is there, is there a lot to prepare for? Is it, is it a very different sort of experience to uh, other circuits around the world with the humidity, for example? Yeah, it's pretty kind of unique in terms of how brutal the weather's going to be. Um, obviously, it's very, very hot day and night and the humidity is extremely high. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of fatigue elements that come into Singapore. So, you know, the preparation for that physically has been training in very hot conditions, um, you know, when we're on the simulator, making sure that the sim room's also hot and, and stuff like that. So um, it's going to be a test for all of us, I think, no matter how fit anyone is. I think, uh, you know, I've been to Singapore before on holiday and just you forget about it when you're, you know, in the in the house or in the flat. You've got obviously air conditioning and you completely forget about it until you open the door and then it, that heat hits you. So, yeah, it's going to be an experience, but I think, you know, it's going to be exciting to drive on, you know, a proper street circuit. You know, we had 
the open around in Miami, which was kind of a bit of a hybrid of a street and a kind of normal circuit, whereas Singapore is a proper, proper street circuit and it is extremely long. So we've all been doing hours and hours on the simulator learning where it goes. Oh, super. Have you got a favourite corner? Um, I like the bit, uh, is it just after the bridge where it goes on yeah. the super tight, sketchy bit? Yeah, I don't yeah. know whether I'll be quite such a fan of it in real life when I, you know, I'm hurtling towards it, but uh, on the sim, it's great. Oh, good stuff. So tell us a little bit about, about you, Abby. How did you, how did you get into motorsport? When did you realise that it was um, something that you really wanted to do and that you were pretty good at it? Because you've, I mean, you've, won, you've won many races over several categories as well. Um, so when did, it, when did all that sort of come together? So I started when I was 10 years old in go-karts and it was really through my dad. So I grew up watching my dad race all sorts of um, pieces of kit, you know, bikes, carts, and then into cars. So, you know, I pestered for a few years and eventually he um, allowed me to start. And, you know, in, in go-karts, you know, if anyone ever says to me, what's the best way to get into motorsport for my kid or, you know, what's the best place to learn? I definitely would point them to karting because, you know, you learn all the foundations of, you know, really racecraft and um you know and you learn it so young like that you know it really is ingrained in you for the rest of your life and you know i really enjoyed the kind of social aspect of karting when i was that age but it was probably a, a kind of a bit of a, an age where i'm like well you know my friend's birthday parties like going on so do i have to go karting or like you know what, can i miss this one and do it the next week um so i didn't really see it as being a you know a career for me at that kind of age but as soon as I moved into cars which was um I was 15 or 16 15 um as soon as I moved into cars I was like wow this is amazing like this is what I want to do and I remember it was my first ever experience on a, a proper big racetrack at Donington Park and um yeah I remember my first session just being like this is awesome and then um you know probably when I started winning championships. That's when I kind of thought, right, actually, you know, what? I'm quite good at this, and you know, let's see where it goes. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And then the sort of that that route to sort of the W series as well. I mean, it's, it has, I think, a couple of years ago, sort of received a little bit of criticism about sort of segregating um, sort of men and women from different from different parts of motorsport. But it must be a really good platform, right, to be able to sort of um, sort of entice more girls into into motorsport. Yeah, you know, you, you can't. The, the, it's always going to be a kind of divisive um, championship and people are going to love it, people are going to hate it and others are not going to really understand why it exists um, but you cannot kind of dismiss the fact that you know it already gives 20, 18, 20 girls a platform with F1 and you know that's um, invaluable, there's a lot of money to be paid to be racing alongside Formula One and, and not only that but racing the, the F3 cars you know I've, my background was never ever single seaters because you know I come from a kind of background where you know my dad had to work hard, mum and dad both had to work hard to be able to fund the racing and you know I never had a silver spoon in my mouth so you know everything was you know we didn't have new tyres and it was going out and racing as and when we could so it, I never did really full seasons um, you know, but but with W Series, it it kind of um, the opportunity was too good to not go down the single seater route, and um, you know, single seaters are super super expensive, which is why I stayed with the other stuff. Um, so I've kind of done it really the wrong way around. Um, you know, really the best option would be starting carton and going to single seaters, and then you know maybe if you're not going to go the F1 route, then you can go into GTs and stuff like that. So I've done it 
yeah, the wrong way around. Um, but the the challenge and the experience and the opportunity was too good for me to say no to. So, you know, I am one of the oldest on the grid. Um, but you know, ultimately the opportunity's there, so I'm going to take it. Super. And just for those that don't know the difference between a single seater and a, and a and a sports car, for example, how how different are they to race? Um. So if you imagine, so the stuff I've predominantly done is kind of GT cars. So that would be cars like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Bentleys. So the big, big, heavy cars with, you know, big motors in it. Um, 12 different traction control settings, 12 different ABS settings. Like there's lots of technology in it that basically is trying to make it, um, you generally do it a two driver thing. So you have a, an amateur driver, a gentleman driver, and you have a pro driver. So they basically make the cars as kind of, easy for the am driver to kind of get stuck into so that they're nice and close to the pro driver whereas a single seater is kind of really raw um you know it's one driver only um generally it can be sprint races up to you know the formula one however many god knows hours in the car and in the heat um and you know if you if you were trying to explain it in layman's terms a single seater is like an f1 car so you're in there by yourself in the middle and a gt or sports car is, is the bigger kind of cars that you see um, sometimes on the road as well. And the, the single seaters, they look they look quite vulnerable. And um, you've been involved in some pretty spectacular moments in W Series. Um, there was notably that frighteningly scary accident at Eau Rouge and Radion at Spa Francorchamps, uh, which was just frightening to watch on, on TV. But also you break your back going over a sausage curb at the Circuit of the Americas, I think, as well, which, yeah. which looked fairly innocuous from the telly, but actually, you know, clearly just shows the danger of, of the sport. Um, when you go through a moment like that, what what goes through your mind sort of mentally when you're when you're in the car and you're strapped in and you're in that on your own? Um, you know, both both crashes were completely different, and I'd like to make a point that I don't crash often. Like I said before, this before last year, I think the last crash I had was two thousand and fourteen. So <laughs> I'm just backing them all up in the you know in the one year. But you know, the the two crashes were really polar opposites of you know if you visually viewed them, you'd think the spa crash was absolutely huge. You'd think God you know, someone's really injured in that. And the one that I had at Kota, it wasn't even a crash, you know, um, I just ran over a curb and you would think, oh, ooh, that's probably a bit sore, but that's it. And, you know, in, in the spa crash, there were six cars involved and we all walked out of it. Whereas in, in the Kota crash, it wasn't quite the same. Um, but in, in this, the spa crash, because, um, you know, things, it seemed, it, it goes slow motion when you're in something like that, you know, because all your senses are kind of heightened um and you are analyzing everything so you know it with the, the spa crash i saw sarah going or lose the rear of her car first in front of me and start to spin and um you know i thought maybe she's lifted in the middle of the corner and the tires are not quite up to temperature you know because we couldn't you couldn't actually see any rain on the track and there was no um rain signs that they sometimes put up if it's rained because it spars such a long circuit you can be on the other side and it's tripped it down and you don't realize so I saw her spin and I thought, right, okay, I've really got to keep this like flat, you know, full power because I think that's why she'd maybe spun. And as soon as I turned in, you know, I went round and then four of the people behind me did as well. And we all ended up going into each other. But, um, you know, you, you kind of go in, I went in backwards and then I saw, I just had a, got a glimpse of everyone else coming in. And then that's when it goes into slow motion. So you, you just kind of sit and wait. And obviously there was a car and another car and another car. So it just seemed to go on forever um and you don't you don't really think that much you just wait you just 
you know, sit in, in the in the cockpit and you think, right, okay, you know, make yourself nice and small and just hope that, you know, no, no, none of the hits hurt. So, um, you know, if you compare that with the Kota incident, there was, again, it kind of went slow motion, but it was such a short incident, you know, it lasted probably five seconds, um, if that. Um, but again, I kind of knew that I'd broken my back, you know, I heard, I heard it crunch and the pain was instant. So I, I knew I'd broken my, broken my back or that's what I, I thought I'd done. And, um, you know, again, it's kind of a bit like as soon as I landed, I had to dodge a, a Rolex um, advertising sign anyway, which I didn't think, oh, you know, I just did it. So I thought, okay, well, at least I can move my arms and yeah, I can move my legs. And then that was it. Then you go into the next step, which is right. How do I tell you know everyone that I'm injured? How do I get out? You know, and you move on like that. So you break it down quite um, methodically as to the situation you're in, analysing what's going on, and then thinking, right, okay, how do I get to the next step? And you just do it like that. So you know, you don't really have any time for fear. You know, you you haven't. Um, you just think, well, I'm here now, so hopefully none of them hurt. Or I broke. A, I think I broke my back. So right, let's see what happens next. Do you say that over the radio? I mean, you'll know your own body, right? And you know when something really hurts or or is it okay? Are you are you still sort of on high on the adrenaline from racing around a track at such speed and your body's obviously kicking in when you go through something like that? What do you what do you communicate back to the team when you're sort of sat in the car and you realise something something's not right? I knew straight away. So I, before I'd even stopped rolling, I was on the radio and I, I remember saying to my engineer, I said, I've really, and I couldn't really get my words out. And I was like, I've really, really hurt my back. I've, I've broken my back. And the radios aren't particularly great so he's like what what are you saying and I was like I've broken my back I've hurt my back like get help get help um and unfortunately at that race there was a, a miscommunication between the circuit staff so um you know my engineer heard what I said and he, you know he was like okay you know just stay still we'll get help to you and um you know, I think all the, the W Series guys were running up and down the pit lane trying to tell people like, you know, she needs help, she needs help. And um, unfortunately, the circuit staff or the rescue staff didn't get told that. They just thought I'd broken down. So they were all wondering, why is she not getting out of the car? You know, and they were in a particular rush to come and get to me. And then when they did, um, they were pushing the car and they were saying to me, like, steer the wheel because we're going to push you back into the hole. And I'm like, I've broken my back. Like, I don't want to move. And, um, you know, they... They couldn't quite hear what was going on and um in the end i like moved the wheel and stopped and then they bent down and said why are you getting out the car and then i explained and then it was all you know into quick action and you know they were great from there but you know they've learned a lot from from that incident so that's good at least that you know if, if something similar was to happen again you know those, those kind of situations would be a little bit more efficient and um you know hopefully nothing like that happens again but at least they are a little bit more prepared than they were before. All right, so it's great. It's great that you're back racing as as well, and, and you made sort of a, a yeah a really really good recovery. And just through that recovery, how how, how do you mentally? Because presumably there was a lot of lying down, um, a lot of seeing other things happen around your life as well. Um, obviously you've got a massive love for for cars and motorsport as well. So what what was it like sort of going through that recovery stage, and how did you how did you get back into the fact that you wanted to get back into a car and you wanted to race quickly, and and what what was that journey like? Um, it was a bit up and down, really, you know, to start off with, I was like, I'm not racing again. Like in my head, I was like, and I said to my manager, I was like, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it anymore. Like it's, you know, I'm 30, like, what am I doing? You know, 
this isn't really the kind of racing that I want to do anyway. You know, it's not, I'm not really enjoying it. Um, but that was more, I think, probably a bit of a knee-jerk reaction because, you know, I'd just gone through something quite painful. And then as the kind of days went past and, you know, you kind of go go through these little hurdles, whether it's a, you know, a bad one or, you know, a good one and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that the, the part where, so on the following day, actually, another kid, 15-year-old kid, actually broke his back in the same way, going over the, the same curb. So they actually ended up removing those curbs. Um, but so I was kind of on this journey with him. So, you know, I was speaking to his mum and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it kind of, um, he, his break, I don't think was quite as severe. And in, so he was in America and basically they gave him like a, a back brace. So it was kind of stopped just kind of mid, middle of his chest and went down to his lower back. And um, I had this one and there was a back plate, but it also had a neck collar on it as well. So I was in this, this torture device. And um, I remember him saying, oh, like they've just given me, cause he was originally in that, in that one with the neck brace. And then they gave him the back brace only. And I was thinking, oh my God, please like, let me just have the back brace. Like when I had to speak to my consultant. And um, so I was waiting for the call to come through and he was like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to keep that one on and we're going to get you, a, you know, a more brutal one made basically. And I was like, oh, you know, you, you're torturing me here, mate. Like, you know, I was really holding on to that for like two, two weeks, three weeks, thinking I'm going to get out of this. And, uh, and I remember I put the phone down and I was at mum and dad's uh, house, you know, they were looking after me. And I remember just laying on the sofa and I just burst out into tears. And I was like, how, how am I going to cope with this horrible thing on for like four months? And, um, you know, I had a little cry that night, didn't really sleep a lot. And then when I woke up the next morning, it was like, right, okay, this is the situation. So deal with it, you know, get over it. Nothing's going to change. You know, you're not paralyzed. You're not injured in that regard. So you owe it to other people that actually are, you know, worse off. So, you know, pull your big girl pants up and, and deal with it. And, you know, that's kind of where I went from there. And, um, you know, I think it's important to have those moments where you, you know, you, you have sad moments you deal with it you you know you look at yourself you use those to build strength and then you move on to the next stuff and you know as, as the weeks went on I thought actually do you know what like I've got a really good goal at the end of this to get back in a race car so I'm going to do it you know and it was a big ask to be able to be fit by the time W Series season started which was perfect because I love a challenge um so actually I used that and realized you know what actually this is what I want and I'm going to get my teeth stuck into it because I want to come back and I want to do better this next year than I did the previous year and that again is a tall ask because I've got a season of being completely deconditioned in strength and, and you know fitness but I'm going to do it and you know I did it and, and not just myself you know the, the help of well, my physio, my trainers, my family, you know, my other half, everyone, um, and just put mine to it and was able to do it. So actually, you know, if I'd have, if I genuinely think if I'd have in my head been like, you know, what, yeah, I'm definitely not interested in racing anymore, then actually my recovery would have been much longer. Oh, it sounds like you've been through um, a, a hell of a journey. Thank you for being so honest about that as well. Let's move on to something a bit more positive than sure. you crashing, crashing cars. Um, yeah, well, I'm not going to do that in Singapore. Exactly, exactly, exactly yeah. So, I mean, it's really exciting that the W Series are coming here. Really, really exciting. Um, how difficult is it for girls to get into motorsport? Is it challenging? Is it, is, or, or does the W Series now provide a, 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 a really good, credible and a, and a new route to, to, try, and, to try and bring um, um, 
some more more girls into the sport I don't think it's necessarily harder for girls to get into the sport I think it's you know if you want to get into the sport there's opportunities there you know no matter who you are but I think it's getting the opportunities once you're in it I think that's the the part that's maybe a little bit more difficult and you know I think it comes down to a numbers game that there are so many more men in motorsport um and the ones that are kind of half talented you know if they've got a lot of money behind them and some connections generally they'll make it so if you say there's a thousand lads that you know out of those thousand guys there's maybe 10 of them that are good enough and maybe only five of them have got a you know multi-million pound family um they're the ones that are going to make it so then if you compare that with girls you know you might only have 20 girls and then it means that there's only like two girls that actually have, have got what they need to succeed and you know we're seeing it at the moment that you know the the one or two that are actually you know doing well and flying the flag and being successful have been the ones that have got talent but they've also got funding behind them as well so um you know i've been in motorsport now for 20 years and you know i've ticked along and i've, I've made my own kind of um opportunities and and created that kind of um you know name for myself i guess and you know it takes a lot of hard work and nowadays um everything happens so quick you know people girls boys are in f3 cars when they're like 16 so you know they need that kind of acceleration um quicker and earlier and they need the best people around them and that's actually what w series is doing is that you know it's creating 18 to 20 drivers straight away to have a go in an f3 car and not only that but to, to drive an f3 car at f1 meetings you know in the f1 paddocks going to f1 circuits and you know you have the support of an engineer over a race that will go through your data you've got driver coaches you've got physios so you know there, there is a lot of kind of infrastructure around you that I've, I've never ever had until you know I went into a professional race team um which was I think the first time I did that was 2017 so you know it these girls you know Juju for example what is she like 16 like she's got this straight away and you know it's just a great great opportunity because if people are getting these opportunities earlier they'll hopefully peak a bit earlier or quicker to where they need to be the level they need to be and then they can you know flourish into whatever driver they want want to be so you know as much as, as i mentioned earlier people maybe bad mouth w series in terms of the segregation which yes it is a, a sticking point still um but it's really the only viable way to do what w series can do um to make a positive impact and we're seeing that already you know channeling down to grassroots you know there are a lot more females coming into karting and a lot more females into single seaters in the uk so you know it's happening already and we've only been going since 2019. Oh, really really impressive really really impressive and great 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 to see see that as well and um, do you think this is, is the money behind it i mean is, is i mean you talked about having sort of money and connections um and it's sound and the series has done an amazing job over the last couple of years and it's it's really good racing as well i mean it's great that it's sort of televised it's great profile um, are you starting to see sort of the sponsors and the money start to come through with that as well as the as to, sort of the audience grows? Um, it's definitely getting better. Um, you know, I think probably in the early years, people were a bit worried as to, you know, is this going to be a bit of a flop or a bit of a gimmick, which there have been previous kind of championships that have been female, you know, um, academy type stuff that have been female only and they've not really worked. So, you know, I can understand people's reservations to start off with, but, you know, we as you say we're getting bigger you know we're on sky sports with everything you know and actually you know silverstone for example this year was um 
the highest viewed motorsport event since um, 2014 outside of F1. So that like says, oh, you know, we've got so much support for for the, you know, the girls as drivers and also the championship. So, you know, really, I would hope to see more investment than what we're getting, um, you know, and I don't really understand why we're still struggling a little bit in terms of, you know, trying to get these big names in. We've got some awesome, awesome loyal kind of sponsors coming in and some new ones, you know, hopefully as well. But, you know, women's football, for example, at the moment is, is you know, yeah. exploded. It's gotten huge. Um, and that will hopefully have a positive effect on, on W Series as well and just attract some more sponsors. But, you know, the fact we're going to these, you know, to visit you guys in Singapore and, you know, we're going to Mexico and other places like that, you know, hopefully some sponsors and companies and businesses out there will want to get involved as well. And, you know, I think W Series on the race weekend has such a really, really nice atmosphere um, that, you know, you need to come down and see it and see what we're all about. So you're coming to Singapore. Have you got a favourite circuit, Abby? Um, I've got many, many a favourite circuit. I can't pick. Um, I think probably the the best one recently or the one that I've enjoyed the most was Zambor um, right. in Holland so I drove that last year for the first time and um, yeah really really enjoyed that but you know my kind of circuit that has my heart is Alton Park in the UK. It's fast in, in the north. In the north yeah it's narrow it's ups and downs through the trees it's awesome um, but yeah Zambor was also also a great experience which is it's kind of similar you know it's definitely completely different to you know some of the f1 circuits like you know paul ricard and barcelona which is all kind of quite open and flat um you know those circuits are quite narrow and you they're not very forgiving if it goes wrong um right. so hopefully you know given that singapore is very very uh yeah non-forgiving if it goes wrong so hopefully i'll enjoy that and do well there as well oh brilliant and if we can give you a crystal ball what, what does your career look like going forwards what, what have you sort of got on the horizon in terms of your um future career in, in, in motorsport. I mean, you mentioned that you were one of the oldest on the on the, on the grid. Um, have you got a bit of a plan in the future of what, you, what you're looking to do? Um, I've got thoughts of the future now. Um, you know, I'd love to to try and kind of mentor some of the younger drivers. You know, I think it you end up banging your head against the wall, think, you know, listening to some of the stuff they come out with and you just, you know, you've, I've been there, I've done it. And, um, you know, I, I can see how other people perceive, you know, maybe poor attitudes and stuff like that as well. So, you know, I'd love to try and kind of help them on, on their journey, which I'm already, you know, helping a few younger drivers, which is great. Um, and I'd love to get back into, you know, the racing that I've always done, you know, GT racing, maybe some touring car stuff. Um, you know, I'd love to get back across into that. Um, you know, ultimately F3, I'm, I'm definitely too old to be racing F3. Um, but as I mentioned before, the opportunity is way too good to, to not do. And, you know, it's not just myself. There's a few of those a similar age to me. Um, and, you know, to be quite honest, the, the younger drivers that need to come and fill fill our shoes, you know, they're not good enough yet. So, um, you know, we're, we're a bit of a fail safe in that regard. And we produce some great racing as well. So, you know, the younger generation are coming through and we're seeing that year by year that, you know, they're getting more and more competitive and, you know, look at the newbies from from this year. You know, the the first round it wasn't particularly great, but you know, each race they've done, they've got more confident and more consistent and quicker as well. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what what's to come, and um, yeah, hopefully a few more years of racing yet. Well, what about Le Mans? Is that something on your radar? Is that something you'd love to do? I would never ever say no to Le Mans. Yeah, definitely. Um, the opportunity for that would um, I'd bite someone's hand off for it. Um, 
but yeah, I think I need to do a little bit more kind of GT racing again back in, in Europe and in the UK before I do that. But um, unfortunately, that costs a lot of money. So, um, you know, I'm working quite hard at the moment alongside with W Series, um, you know, competing in W Series, just trying to get proposals and kind of business plans and stuff out to, to companies and businesses to, to try and, you know, do something along, alongside W Series as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working away at it and hopefully soon it'll come, come together next year. Oh, super. And um, when you're not on the circuit, when you're not racing with your team, when you're not training, um, you're a driving coach as well. And you've had some TV um, bits as well through the through the Grand Tour. How, how was that? Did you did you did you really enjoy that? Yeah, it was a great experience and it was you know great to just have it on your CV, I suppose. You know, I, I grew up watching Jeremy and, and James and Richard on, on the telly every every Sunday when I was growing up. So, you know, to, to work with them was something quite special. You know, they were kind of. I suppose um, a national treasure from that regard. You know how many Britons turn them on and watch them on the telly, and you know there's me driving a car with them. So um, you know, really cool experience, and got to drive lots of amazing cars that you know I would never get the opportunity to you know without them as well. And ultimately, that kind of you know increased my profile and and gave me a little bit of a boost. And um, you know, I've got a lot of opportunities from that um afterwards as well so um yeah great fun can't really call it a job you know playing with cars and you know doing skids for the telly but uh yeah i enjoyed it i'd love to do it every day yeah i think i think i think i think i'm, I'm certainly very envious of you i'll be really i really <laughs> am I'd, 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 I'd absolutely love to do it is captain slow really that slow no he's good he's a good driver all three of them are very very good drivers um yeah he gets fun poked at him a lot but he's he's great he's great as he's, he's james he's very very witty very funny guy Oh, super. I mean, it's been amazing to hear about your career, uh, the W Series, and um, sort of how you got out of situations which have been sort of sort of less good over the last couple of years as well, the future um, and, and the opportunity. Really, really good. There, there's a question that we ask everyone, Abby, on our, on our channel, which is if we could, if I could throw you the British Chamber of Commerce time machine um, and you can go back to any point of your life that you've led where you could give yourself some advice of something that you know now that you tell a younger self, and um, what advice would you give yourself and, and when would that be? I would go back to um, probably when I just moved into cars or maybe just before. So I was towards the end of karting um, and I would tell myself how to train properly and how to prepare my body properly. Because, you know, with the racing that I did to start off with. So, you know, my first car was the Citroen Saxo and then it was a touring car, of course, a VXR and stuff like that. Like they've all got power steering, they've all got power um, assisted braking, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I trained, but I didn't really need to train that much because it wasn't very physical to drive. Um, and so, you know, I've done it the wrong way around. Single seaters are super, super physical. But actually, because I've, I've raced and jumped in and out of random cars, you know, where you, the seat position might not be 100% to you, but you kind of, you know, adjust your body to get round it. Um, and it ends up, ruining your body so i would say go back to myself as younger and say if there's any car that you ever not 100 comfortable in don't compromise yourself to fit the car like try and make it as comfortable as possible because it will be a detriment to your body in the future um and train you know your neck and all that kind of stuff as early as you can because for example your neck takes forever to get strong and forever to build muscle so the earlier you can do it the stronger you're going to be you know in later years and i would just say take care of your body a little bit more um when you're younger and then it'll reward you when you're a little bit older oh what great advice 
Look, thank you so, so much for your uh, time today. It's been great to see you. We're really looking forward to uh, welcoming you to Singapore as well. And we're, I know that we'll all be rooting for you. Um, it's been great to hear about your journey, hear about you, um, hear about the series. It's, it's a great platform. Um, and if there's anything the Chamber of Commerce can do, please, please do reach out. It's been brilliant to have you with us. Thanks so much. No worries. I'll see you at Singapore. See you in the paddock. Done. <laughs> see you soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the British Chambers podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe and why not leave us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple, Google and the other podcast platforms. For more information, please visit our website at www.britcham.org.sg and tune in next time for a brand new episode.